Welcome into the fourth episode of Expand on That, our weekly Boston 25 sports podcast. It's time for some Red Sox talk, finally, after three episodes. I've got a, a staple, I'd say, of Red Sox coverage here. Tom Karen from Nesson. How's it going? Great, Austin. How you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm living the dream out here. We're out here on a beautiful day. It is, talking finally. About, talking about golfing, all this fun stuff, but finally a nice day and baseball weather, we'd say. So we've had a long, kind of weird start to the season with weather, everything like that, but Red Sox have been plowing through. What have been your uh, thoughts on this first month and a half? Well, I mean, the offense has been the biggest change from last year. You know, last year they finished last in the American League in home runs, uh, and, and now they're, I think, second as we speak here. Uh, and, and, and if you take the first week out of the, the equation when they weren't hitting uh, all that well, uh, they're, they're first. They've hit the most home runs in baseball. So I, I think there's been an approach change with this team, uh, buying into a little bit of the launch angle stuff we talk about in baseball now, trying to drive the ball in the air. Uh, and obviously, J.D. Martinez, you add him to the mix, and he's been everything they, they had hoped for uh, on pace right now to hit like 50 home runs. So uh, and what he's done for other guys in the lineup, I think, you know, having Martinez uh, behind him a couple of batters has really made Mookie Betts uh, a better leadoff hitter, obviously. Uh, and, and so to me, the biggest single change has just been the power that this team has shown. They didn't have it last year, kind of trying to figure out how to replace David Ortiz. And, and J.D. Martinez is no David Ortiz, but I, but I do think they've kind of gotten past the uh, – the, the, the big poppy hangover phase. Yeah, and we saw, I mean, a little bit of a lo- slow start from, I guess, J.D. Martinez. At the very beginning of the season, you had people worrying, like, was the move worth it? Was all the drama in the offseason worth it? And now, I mean, he's crushing it these last, what is it, month and a half. And do you think, I mean, obviously worthwhile move now, do you think he's a player you can build around for the future of this team? Yeah, I mean, he gives you that legitimate uh, power in the middle of the order, uh, he's a guy who really amazes me with his opposite field power. Uh, he's got the most opposite field home runs in baseball since since last All-Star break. Uh, so not a short sample there. And Steve Lyons, who does the games with me, likes to joke, you can't call it opposite field power for Martinez anymore because that's his field. I mean, that's where he goes. So it's not opposite. Uh, but, he, but he's hit a couple in the last week now to dead center at Fenway Park, which is uh, really, you know, that's a long way out there. I mean, he's crushing these things. There are line drives that are hitting the back of that batter's eye out in center field, and that that's serious power. So, yeah, I do. I think, you know, getting him, that's what they missed last year, you know. We all kind of thought maybe, you know, it's not our money, right? So last year could have gone out and got Encarnacion or someone like that. I, I was surprised they didn't because I thought that was the one thing they lacked. Uh, now they've got it, so I think it's a it's a significant improvement. Yeah, and I mean we saw it in one game that he's hitting opposite field, the shortest part of Fenway, and then he's going longest part of Fenway. So obviously it's working. But another thing that we've talked about is it working? Is it not working? Alex Cora, after just kind of a weird off season where people are wondering is he going to be the right guy? And I want to dust off kind of a segment I did with Doug Codd for the Patriots. But what grade would you give Alex Cora through the start of the season? Well, it's you know they're tied for first as we as we're doing this, and uh, they they you know then the Yankees have gotten off to such great starts and uh, battling for the best record in baseball. So hard not to I mean you got to grade him pretty high. You got to leave him a little room for improvement. So let's say maybe you know in a week ago if you'd asked me this I might have been like a B plus. I, I might go a little higher A minus. Uh, I thought quietly last week was a really important week for Alex Cora. And, and, you know, two situations came up last week, one being the Carson Smith situation where he suffered what appears to be a significant shoulder injury in in kind of a fit of rage, throwing his glove in anger, uh, which is stupid uh, to begin with. And then uh, and then kind of, you know, talked about, well, my shoulder was sore from overuse and they've been really careful with him. You know, he hadn't pitched three days in a row yet. 
uh, 18 appearances on the season, so fewer than half of their games. I mean, a reliever should be able to come in more than that and not complain about overuse. So I, I, I thought when he went public with that, he didn't say that to Alex Corey. He went to the media, and it was kind of the first little firestorm. You know, Corey was asked about it on the radio, and then he had to answer our questions about it. I thought he did a really good job because he was really upfront. He's, I don't agree with it. Those were the first words he said about it. I, I don't, and he repeated it. He said, I don't agree with it. And if that's the problem, he's got to come to me and talk to me about that. He's got to talk to his coaches about that. He can't talk to the media. I thought it was quietly forceful because Core is supposed to be a player's manager, right? He's, he's young. He's one of the guys. That's why they brought him in. He's their buddy. But in Boston, where there's a million eyes and a million microphones and a million uh, members of the media covering everything, these things are going to come up. And then a couple days later, the Blake Swihart thing where Swihart's agent asked for a trade, uh, he handled that very differently. I asked him about it in our show last Friday. He comes on Friday Night Fenway with me live, and, and Cora said, that's fine. The guy wants to play. I expect him to want to play. He hasn't done anything different. He hasn't complained. He works as hard as anybody. He's working on the infield, working on the catching. I see him working every day. So where I thought he might take the same kind of route and call out Swihart the way he called out Smith, uh, he didn't. He went the other way. He goes, nope, he's fine. No problem here. His agent says what he wants to say. So I thought it was a good look into how Cora is starting to handle these things publicly. Uh, and for a guy who's never managed at any level before, other than the World Baseball Classic a little bit, uh, I, I thought it spoke volumes to his ability to navigate through some of these situations. Yeah. Professor Kern with a generous grade there. I mean, well, again, it's just because that's, I mean, Farrell, that's what did in John Farrell. Right. I mean, he just he had trouble with those situations. He 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 tried to cover for the player to a fault. Right. He refused to say anything to the media. And again, what Cora said wasn't, you know, earth shattering. He just said, I don't agree with it. It was wrong. He should have said that to me, not to you guys. I don't know if John Farrell ever would have said that by the end of his run. Maybe the beginning he would have. But by the end, his inability to sort of be that transparent with the media and the fans, I, I think, led to his demise. And I thought it was important for Cord not to go down that same path. Yeah, and we talked about pitching with Carson Smith there a little bit. But a big thing, I guess a big problem some fans are having is the management of this pitching staff. And, I mean, do you think they might have needed to make more moves in the offseason or do they need to make moves now to kind of improve this pitching staff to go with that power you see on offense? Yeah, you know, the, the loss of Smith is going to probably lead them towards that. Tyler Thornburg is going to be interesting. He's kind of had one step forward, one step back in his minor league rehab, and he really has till the end of the month to keep pitching in the minors, so there's no rush on that. Uh, I would expect them at some point to make a move to add an arm to the bullpen. They did it last year with Addison Reed, who was great. Really thought they would bring him back this year because I think that one more arm would make a huge difference in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Kelly's been great uh, when he's not suspended. And and Matt Barnes, I think the last uh, few appearances for Barnes have been really important. Uh, he's locating his fastball again, which he wasn't. Up in Toronto, he had all kinds of trouble with walking guys. So I, I, I think the bullpen's got some options there. Heath Henry scares me a little bit. Just it hasn't been consistent this year. Uh, and, and Brian Johnson, I'm not sure we've seen that he can be that lefty out of the bullpen yet. We'll see where it goes. Uh, and maybe it comes from within. You know, Stephen Wright is back. And if Drew Pomeranz continues to struggle, Wright could go in the rotation and maybe Pomeranz becomes a reliever, which he's been through a lot. So I, I, I think they're going to sort out their internal options before they go add an arm. Yeah, and then moving back to kind of like a general standpoint here, uh, we talked a little bit about before the recording, but – where do you think this team stands as far as ranking it to teams you've covered in the past, the successful ones like 2004, 2007, 2013, any of those teams? Where do you kind of like rank it in those that standpoint? Well, it's early. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, you said Professor Karen with the uh, with the generous grading. I'm not ready to call this team a uh, an 04 uh, level team yet. I mean, it's 
you know, of those teams that you mentioned, 07 might have been the most talented. It's, it's the most overlooked. It's like the middle child. Yeah. You know, we all think about 04 because it ended 86 years of, uh, of frustration, and it had those larger-than-life characters. 07 was a quieter team but was, you know, wire-to-wire the best team in baseball, I thought. And, and 13 was just uh, – 13 to me was, was more of a Cinderella story. You know, they weren't the most talented team. Yeah. I thought Detroit was a better team. I thought the Cardinals were a better team. Um, but they, they kind of had – you know, the, the Victorinos and the Gomes and the David Rosses, guys who would just sort of get the moment, uh, and Ortiz still, obviously, and, and the marathon bombing, I think, factored into all that. Uh, they kind of lifted the city, and then the city lifted them. Uh, so there's my quick uh, synopsis on the three World Series teams. So, I, I, you know, it's hard to put this team in any of those. I mean, I think it is a more talented team than that 13 team, for sure. Uh, I don't know, you know, 4 Again, they had larger-than-life characters. I mean, we could we could fill the rest of your podcast just telling O four stories. But I mean, they've got, you know, when you, when you talk about David Ortiz and and Kevin Millar and Johnny Damon and Pedro Martinez and Derek Lowe. I mean, it, literally, guys who didn't care about the pressure of Boston, who didn't care about the Yankees, who didn't care about eighty six years. Uh, and and you know what? It's it's an interesting discussion because I think the last two years, this team's been very good, and has underachieved in the playoffs because I, I, I don't think it was built to handle the pressure of October in Boston. We can talk about the pressure of Boston all day. Pressure of October in Boston, that's a whole different story. You lose one game and you got to deal with that for 24 hours like you just got eliminated. And I think that crushed them the last two years. We'll see if this team, that's the, the missing piece. That's the final point for the grade is does this team, because it's clearly good enough to make the playoffs, does this team have what it takes has what it have what it th- does this team <laughs> has does this team have what it takes thank you uh to succeed in october and we'll have to wait yeah see. what are your expectations like personal expectations for the rest of the season you got i don't know how many months at this point i didn't go to school for math, baseball but, yeah two-thirds of the season left more or less right yeah. so uh i you know i i love it because the red sox are really good and the yankees are really good and it's it's shaping up to be a summer i i love the schedule this year if you look at it the red sox play the yankees at least once in every calendar month of the season you know a lot of times you know you play them like seven times in september and you don't see them in july or august you see them every month so it's pretty cool the way and we've seen it twice so far right two series where you know, you, you kind of go your separate ways and beat up. There's a lot of bad teams in baseball. I mean, there's more bad teams in baseball right now than any point I remember watching baseball. Yeah. The end of April, there were eight teams on pace to lose 100 games. It's like the NFL. It's like the <laughs> NFL, yeah. I mean, it's the age of tanking, right? If you're not going to be competitive, tank. Get rid of your players, be awful, and draft high. Uh, we've seen baseball. Uh, Houston built itself that way. You know, 10 years ago, Tampa Bay built itself that way. So the Red Sox and Yankees kind of go off their separate ways, beat up on really bad teams, and then meet up again. And it's kind of that midterm grade. You know, how'd you do against the Yankees? You know, it took two out of three in April, lost two out of three in May. They'll be at it again uh, in June. Uh, I love the schedule. I expect the Red Sox to be battling for first place all season long. And you don't want to be that wild card team that has to play a one-game play-in. So I think it's going to be a great September because I think both the Red Sox and Yankees are going to be right there fighting for the number one spot and the buy into the series. Yeah. Do you think it's still maybe an Astros year? Do you think the Red Sox oh. could possibly do it? Or Yeah, I mean, the Astros are great, and that's the problem, right? If you're the wild card team, you'll probably face the Astros if you win your wild card game, uh, which is more reason not to uh, uh, be the wild card team. So I think the Astros are the best team in baseball. I, I don't, you know, I think talent wise and, 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 you know, Garrett Cole has been amazing for them. He's been a great addition to a really good pitching staff. We've seen what they've done with 
their ability, Charlie Morton and Brad Peacock moving starters to the bullpen and getting three or four innings out of a, a really good pitcher. It worked for them in the playoffs last year. They won the World Series. So I do think the Astros are the best team in baseball. Uh, I do wonder if, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees playing each other as much as they do will, will make them tougher, more hardened, that whichever team survives all of this will be built for October. So we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think if, you're, if you're going strictly by talent and pitching and everything, I think Houston's number one. I think Red Sox and Yankees are tied number two. Awesome. Well, that's all I've got for you. Wanted to keep it that's pretty it? general. That's Come all on, I that's had. it. We're the tough questions. That's that was the toughest question of them all, right there. Come on, Professor Karen. You gotta. You gotta grade. Be okay well, with I gave. That. Him, I gave. I feel bad. I should. Can I give someone a C? I don't. I, I feel I should grade. You somebody. can give me the C. I'll, I'll give Butchie the, Stearns a C. Butchie, How about all that? Right, that right? Right? What would you no. give Tom Lydon? If we're oh, come on, Tom Lydon. He's like Mr. Smooth. You yeah. know what I mean? He's see Mr., him on the football field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was a coach of that. I drafted yeah, him. Exactly. Yeah, you had an all-star impressive. lineup over we did. there. So. And, and we, we did. We pounded him. Uh, so I give him an A uh, an A on TV. We'll give him a B on the football field. Ooh, B, plus, B plus. B plus. Room for improvement there. Room for his improvement. Arm, it was I only mean, one game, but it was a hit. He's he also a, one-handed right arm now. Arm strength was impressive. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's got his cast. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he can't throw a football anymore like that. And, and you know, if you're going to be like uh, a smooth TV guy like Tom Lydon, you got you just got it. You can't put yourself in position to, to get hurt. Yeah, exactly. New England depends. On him. And you got Butch Stearns just well, Butch kind of a mucker and grinder. Like I'm a hockey guy, and Butchie's like a cor- you know he goes in the corner, does the dirty work. Yeah. Leiden strikes me more as a guy in front of the net waiting for the pass, yeah, gonna get exactly. the glory. You it's know, like Butchie's over there mucking and yeah. grinding. Tom Leiden's the Ovechkin, yeah. and like yeah, Butchie's like the Nicholas Bats. <laughs> very good, yeah, like Nicholas- yeah. Let's go with that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although it's really bad because the the Caps are gonna choke again, like they always do. So. <laughs> Should probably uh, maybe Vegas. We should, but I don't know anybody on Vegas. Bunch of expansion Riley Smith guys. And, oh, Riley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't we get guys like and that? Colin Miller and Malcolm Subban, everything like that. Yeah, but the former Bruins. Awesome. Well, but we digress. You can, <laughs> you can find all those guys: Tom Lydon, Butch Stearns, and the poor grades that they might receive <laughs> on and off the football field uh, at Boston Twenty Five. You can follow us at Boston Twenty Five on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Expand on That Twenty Five. Uh, where can they find you, Tom? Where can they find you on Twitter? Where can you find me? Oh, at uh, Tom Karen is my Twitter uh, feed. It's not really original. Uh, my Instagram. I'm trying to boost my Instagram profile because my kid tells me that, uh, that Twitter's passe and I have to. Uh, but I'm not Snapchatting. Do you Snapchat a lot? I, I mean, I Snapchat because it's my generation. Yeah, but. I, I had a phase of Snapchatting, and then I got a new phone, and I, I can't remember my password. There you go. That's so the worst this, problem of <laughs> So if you notice, if anybody tried, I've just stopped. Any profile on Snapchat. Uh, but really, TC is my Instagram account. There you go. So go so follow TC go. on Insta. Go, yeah. go boost his audience there. Thank but you. I'm trying to do more. What do you, what do you call them now? I sound so old. Stories? Uh, the stories. There you on, go. On, Those are important. Instagram. Those are important. Yeah. We're learning here. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, you can find all our stuff on Boston25news.com. Thanks for coming on, TC. Thanks, Austin. It's been it was awesome. fun. Awesome. See you guys next week.